Jesus' words in Luke chapter 13, verse 23 through 30, the key verse being 24. If you want to go to a key verse in the passage, it's there. Uh, let's just, uh, the, the text, uh, the title of this is, The Privileged Will Be Thrust Out. The Privileged Will Be Thrust Out. I think that's God's way. If you read through the Bible, that's kind of God's way. And so let's start out. He went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? Now you got to ask, why would he ask that question? Well, because of what he had seen. And he said unto them, Strive to enter at in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and has shut to the door. And you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord. That sounds familiar, by the way. This Lord, Lord from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23. Open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. This is repeated in verse 27, two verses down. I know you not. I want to pause there just to say it's more important that Jesus knows you than Maybe you know about him. There's a whole lot of people that I meet door to door know about Jesus, but he does not know them. I say no, meaning in relationship. They do not have that birth that they need to be in relationship with God. They only know about God, around God, but they don't know him, whom to know is life everlasting. Know in the sense of a personal relationship with God. Boy, that's where we need to be. Verse 26, then shall... Ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. In other words, we, we know about you. We've been close to you. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Now, I'm not real smart, but I can tell you this. I do not want to be a worker of iniquity. Okay? I hope you get that. Whatever happens in your life, you do not want to be considered by God as a worker of iniquity. Iniquity kind of can be defined as doing it your way rather than God's way. People that are born in the family of God want to do it God's way, not their way. One of the characteristics of a new birth or a born-again Christian from above, having the Holy Spirit in them, is that they decide they want to do things God's way. Now, they're not perfect because they got the old man and they sometimes will... The Bible says the righteous falls seven times, and God, God will raise you up again. But it doesn't mean you don't make some stupid decisions. It doesn't mean temporarily you don't do some stupid things. But the overall, if I took a person's life and looked at it from, stood back, I would say that person overall wanted to do the will of God. The Bible says he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 
I want to be in that group. How about you? I want to be in that group. I don't want to miss it through some religiosity or some institution that says I'm going to make it. Then I get there and and he says, I don't know you. One thing I want to hear from Jesus' lips, I know you. And I want him to confess my name as his. Take everything else away. I want to hear that. And by the grace of God, will. Trusting in him. Verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Now contextually, of course, we're talking about the Jews here. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. I believe that's speaking about non-Jews, really us. And behold, there are, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. People misquote this all the time. It says, uh, all the last will be first, and all the first. No. He says, many of the first shall become last, and many of the last shall be first. Not all. Some of the first will be first. and Some of the last will be last. And so it, can be ta- it should be taken properly. And then Matthew chapter 7 you don't have to turn to this, but I'm going to read it for you. A verse pretty well known to you. Verse 13, 14. Enter ye in, it's a straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. My wife has repeated this verse to me maybe as many as, as much as any other verse in the Bible. She probably doesn't recognize that to be so, but because I'm on the receiving end of it, I have remembered it. And she will often tell me, as a preacher, and there's a few pastors in the room today, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I have wondered, why not more, Lord? Why not more? Why not more people trusting Christ? Why not more salvation decisions? Why not more people joining up? Why not more people... Why isn't the place full today? Why, aren't, why don't we have to have three services? We're Bible preaching church, King James Bible preaching church. What's happening? We, we have the greatest message that's ever been going across the lips of man. Is Jesus saves? Jesus saves. Uh, we believe in the Bible in totality. We believe Jesus' words the way they were said, literally, naturally, and normally. Man, you'd think that people hear about that and they say, I gotta have it. I've wondered when you give an invitation after preaching a salvation message, when I preach out on the beach. Two thousand sometimes plus folks gather there. Many of them never heard really a clear presentation of the gospel. I try to do a real nice, clear presentation of the gospel and whatever I'm led to preach on. You'd think that you'd have 75, 80 people show up at the front there saying, I'd like to know what it means to be saved. I'd like to go to heaven. I'd like to know how. But you'll have one or two or three, maybe in a group that size, that say that. That's always mystified me. When I start philosophizing, my wife and her wisdom will quote Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, 14 to me. In this case, in the context of our passage in Luke chapter 13 there, both the Jews and the sons of Ishmael have had a tremendous historical privilege concerning knowing God. Abraham, most of you know Abraham, or of Abraham. Abraham received a sacred covenant from God. 
himself, about 2166 B.C., that he would be the one which God worked through to reach the rest of the world. Wow. I'll read you Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, where, where that covenant was made, and it was reaffirmed again in chapter 15 in Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land which I shall show thee. And I will make of thee, of thee, through thee, a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Those are big promise, brother. You have a little spell. Take your shoes off. Hit them together over your head. Say, glory to God, run around. I mean, tell you, Abraham was a Syrian. Uh, there, were, there were nobody called, no, there was no nation called Jews or Jewish or Hebrew nations. It started with Abraham, who was a Syrian. And, and so out of him, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, and on and on down to Joseph, and you read about some of the others, came the Jewish nation. Uh, the nation, uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel by the angel after wrestling with that angel all night. Uh, his name was changed to Israel. And most of you are familiar with the nation of Israel even today. An absolute miracle, but they are in unbelief. Abraham, there, through Abraham, Isaac came, the Jews came, Ishmael came, the Arabs came. So through this one man, Abraham, comes two great groups of people, the Jewish folks, Israel, and the Arab folks, Ishmael. The amazing thing about these two groups today is, though they number in the hundreds of millions of people, both groups are in total unbelief and outside of God's plan of salvation. How do you have the nerve to say that, Pastor Bill? Because there's one name under heaven, whereby you must be saved. Acts chapter, 12, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It's the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven where, you're, where, where, you, where you can be saved or how you can be saved according to the Bible, and it's through God's Son. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Not sons, though I preached there a week or so ago, there cannot be many roads to heaven. There just cannot be if the Bible is true. If there are many roads to heaven, the Bible is not one of them. Jesus is not one of them because he misrepresented God and, he mis and these things must not be true. But if indeed the resurrection was witnessed by over 500 people at the same time, and eventually then in Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 11 when he, was, when he was ascended up to the Father, there were people everywhere. They witnessed all that. If that, all that is so, and in fact, as much as the Bible's been hated, it's more printed today than any other book in the world. That itself is a, is a miracle of miracles. You've got to understand, the Bible itself is enough miracle for me to believe. I don't need to know anything. Just the Bible itself. When you start studying the his, history of the Bible and it's, it's, it's how it's been hated, do you think the Bible's hated? Quote it in a political environment. Go to public school system and carry your Bible. See what they do. Uh, uh, bring the Ten Commandments into the into public arena and see what they do. 
Just the Ten Commandments. Tell me what's wrong with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill or murder? Is that wrong? Thou shalt not commit adultery? What it is, it creates conviction. It condemns the people who read it because they're doing those things that it condemns. Consequently, their ire, their hate is stirred up, and they don't want to be told that what they're doing is wrong. They are angry about it and want, it that, want that to disappear. That's why they want the Ten Commandments out of public, public environment. That's why they want the Ten Commandments gone. That's why they don't want the Bible at school. The fact of the resistance makes me believe these things must be so. It's just one thing that makes me believe it's so. We could say, because of Abraham being very privileged to know God, wow, Isaac, Jacob, the nation of Israel, to be so privileged to know God, and even Ishmael being born of Abraham. It, it, you, you can say that those who had the most privilege have missed the Savior and in this present moment are, being, are in a position of being cast out of eternity. Those who had eaten, as it were, and drunk in the very presence of God Almighty, Jesus Christ, and heard Him speak in their streets, had heard Him and seen Him heal the lame and raise the dead and give sight to the blind, didn't believe. Didn't believe. That's wild. Because I've had a lot of people tell me through the years, if I could see Jesus, I'd believe. If I could see a miracle, I'd believe. If an angel of God came by and talked to me, I'd believe. The Bible contradicts what you're saying and what you're thinking. If you're thinking that even now, if all that happened, I believe. You will not believe by sight. Miracles and, and wonders have very little effect on causing people to believe. You remember the rich man that, that, uh, and Lazarus, Luke 16, and he finds himself in a place called hell and a place of torment, and he has brothers, and he's talking, having a little conversation with Abraham. You remember that? He says, if you send Lazarus, that, that poor guy that they knew, if you send him back, uh, uh, they, they, they believe, and you, this amazing statement. I mean, I, I was first time I read it, I was, I was like, wow. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, basically, they got the Bible as their testimony. If they don't want to believe this, they wouldn't believe even if one was raised from the dead. Now, put that into your mind a little bit and try to process that. If one that was raised from the dead would come back. It won't cause any more to believe than if they won't believe this written word here. Why? Because the Spirit of God is behind this word to cause people to believe. It's empowered word. It's not just a dead word. It's just not dead print. It's a lie. That's the beauty of being a preacher, is that when you talk about the word of God, you know that God's with it. God goes with it. When we go out door to door and I speak the Bible, I know that the, the, the power of Almighty God's behind the words that I speak, if they're God's words. That's why you want to talk as much as you can in God's word. Get it in your mind. Well, one of the lessons we can learn by the fact that these privileged people have been cast out is, if the Jews and the Arabs who were chosen to rub shoulders with God to 
literally receive his word on the disposition of angels could end up in unbelief and condemnation, how much more we Gentiles who have been given this great privilege. I can tell you for a fact that everybody sitting here this morning and within the sound of my voice over the internet are highly privileged. You say, but I don't feel highly privileged. If you hear the word of God and understand it in any way, you're highly privileged. In fact, if you actually hear the word of God preached, you're highly privileged by God himself. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we, know, if we neglect so great salvation? I like that. I just like the phrase. So great salvation. Let me tell you, Abraham and his seed. Now, Abraham was saved, but the seed that followed him and, and, and uh, those that followed in Isaac's path, they, they knew, but because as they went down the road, they, you know, the mom and dad are, I've, I see this all the time, mom and dad are truly born again, Bible believers want to follow God. The, the, oftentimes the kids are a step left of them. Then their kids are a step left of the parents. And then the, the, those kids are a step left of the grandkids. And the, the other ones are a step left of the, and pretty soon they're raving liberals. I have a cousin raised in a godly home from a mom and dad who have done nothing but show him Jesus is an agnostic today. Doesn't believe the Bible is the actual inspired word of God. Doesn't, don't believe in the real miracles of the Bible. And I look, his name's, well, I'm not going to tell you his name. I speak to him. How is that possible? I'll tell you why. Because narrow is the way. The word straight gate, narrow gate, the word picture of it means it's an opening that you have to squeeze through. It's, it's such a small opening that you, you know, you have to really, and it's, it's, it, in fact, it presses on you to get through it to where, it, the, the word picture is to where it presses on you to where it hurts you to get through it. I mean, it's hard to get through it. It's so narrow. It's straight. That's what those words mean. The word wide and broad, uh, Wide and broad simply means flat and, and spacious. The, the pathway to hell, the pathway away from God is flat and spacious. It's easy to, re, to go that way. It's easy to go with your old nature, to go with the spirit of rebellion that you naturally have in you, to do, it, to do your thing, that's iniquity. To walk your way, that's iniquity. To think your thoughts, that's iniquity. Other, otherwise, you need to, if you're, if you're going to go through that narrow way, you need to think God's thoughts. You need to go God's way. And that'll squeeze you. Oh, you'll feel it. It'll squeeze you. Amazing. Conclusion, the conclusion of the word study here is there are a lot of obstacles standing in the way for folks who want to have eternal life. There are afflictions, there are troubles facing those who would go that way. What are some of the obstacles? Humility. Humility. See, you'll never, there'll be no pride in heaven. 
It's the sin of the devil himself. And until you humble yourself, you're not going to get through the narrow gate. You've got to humble yourself. Rich, poor, educated, not educated, socially uh, 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 royal blue blood, or, or just a junkyard dog like myself, you're going to have to humble yourself to get with God. You, nobody that's struggled, nobody that's got their pride is going to make it through that narrow gate. It's too narrow. The, the humility, the pride, I should say, has, won't get through that gate. Won't get through. One of the other obstacles is self-death. Dying to your way. To be saved, see, it's, it's, it's big. You believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? You say, I do. Do you believe he died and was buried and rose again the third day? You say, preacher, I do. If you really believe that, then you'll do what he says. He said it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I tell you to do? I mean, it'd be like me saying, Tom, you're my leader. But when Tom tells me something, say, I don't like that, I'm not going to do it. Then Tom effectually is not my leader. Amen? Somebody say amen, it's going to get long. What, what else? What else would stop you? What would, what would stop you from going to that narrow way? The world? The world's not going through that narrow gate. The world's going through the broad gate. That narrow gate, the world's not going to be able to go through. You're going to have to drop the things of the world, ultimately. Ultimately, at least in spirit, you're going to have to say, I turn my back on the world. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Oh, I love that song. We sing it week after week after week, and it never gets old to me. We sing it in bus meeting. We don't sing it here. We probably should. But the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, I leave it. Can't go through the narrow gate, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Why can't you get through that narrow gate? Because humility, you have to have humility, and pride won't go through. Self-life will not go through that gate. Self-death will. The world will not go through that gate, but no world will. Love not the world, either the things that are in the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life are not of the Father. But of the world. The world passes away. The lusts are all. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You get to go through that narrow gate through Jesus. Don't follow the majority. Don't be deceived by the crowds and their confidence and their arrogance and their self-assuredness due to the amount of people they have going their way. They say we must be the way because we have a a large group going that way. But now you just heard the words of Jesus. These are not, these are words of Jesus. Narrow is the way. Few be there that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many be that go thereat. In other words, where you almost could say where the major crowd's going is not going to be the way. There will come a time 
another thing in verse 25 there of our text, there will come a time that every person's life that God will shut the door, verse 25. What that teaches is, verse 25, that opportunity has limits. What's Jesus telling us? Opportunity has limits. You're here this morning. You've been raised in a Christian environment. Maybe you've heard the, th the gospel. Maybe you've heard the way of salvation. Maybe you've heard the way of God over and over. You kind of figure like it's always going to be there for you. Here's the problem with that thinking. God won't always be there for you. There comes a time, and I've said this over and over, and preachers have said it over and over, there's this invisible line when you cross it, and you, and you don't know where that line's at, only God does, that you're going to want to believe, but you're not going to be able to. Because to believe, the Holy Spirit's got to be there. He's got to be convicting you. He's got to be convincing you of righteousness. But if you grieve the, play, the Holy Spirit and quench the Spirit, now I'm not talking before you're saved now. There comes a time when God will no more call on you. He'll no more remind you you're a sinner in need of salvation. He'll no more convict you that without God, you're going to a place called hell. You need to get saved. How many times have I heard people say, the reason I got saved is because I, got, I, was, I was concerned about going to hell. That's the Holy Spirit, brother. He says in verse 25, the door's going to shut. The sounds of people knocking to get in, the cries of agony when they finally see they, they needed salvation, but they didn't receive salvation, and now salvation is not readily available for them. The opportunity's over. How many religions the world has produced to try to get them on the wrong path? All in vain. They knock on the door of salvation, but they missed it. In verse uh, 29 there, it says, they'll come from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, and they'll sit down in the kingdom of God. I believe that's real clearly referring to the Gentile nations. In other words, the two major groups of people that have so much privilege rejected it. And so what did God do? He turned to a group of people called the Gentiles. That's everybody but that group. And he said, I'm going to the Gentiles. Even Paul said it over again. I'm going to the Gentiles because they're going to believe. How many in here are Gentiles? Raise your hand. I bet there's not a Jew among us that was born. God bless you, brother. One Jew saved you. Ooh, what a wonderful thing that is. But can I say few? Few. Just what Jesus said. But he said they're going to come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They're going to come from all the different directions. The Gentiles, the heathen, the idol-worshiping Gentiles can enter in if they're willing to believe what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. God took the rights of us, the riches, if I may say, of a spoiled little rich kid away from them and gave it to the poor kids the Gentiles, that would receive it. He went out into the highways and he went into the hedges and he compelled them to come in. Our forefathers, I don't have any doubt that my forefathers were, used to worship the stars and the moon and the spirit in the sky and the sun and the bugs and the snakes and the thunderstorms and the lightnings and the hundreds of other things that they worship. I can tell you for the truth, I don't have to go too back. I don't want to search my genealogy. 
I can, be, I can be assured there's no royalty behind me. It's a bunch of junkyard dogs that worshipped everything, did everything, probably three-quarters of them in jail, got out. But by the grace of God, I heard the cry and believed. And God said, though you were the underprivileged, though you were the outcast, though you were the Gentiles, if you believe, I'll make you one of the privileged. You get to go through the narrow way and be saved. Woo. You say, that's just, no, that's, that's the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Here's what it says. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Let me just tell you this. You say, preacher, well, how do I know where I'm at in all this? Are you convicted? Are you, are you fighting falling asleep right now? Are you completely disinterested? Are you hoping I hurry up and get done? Or are you wishing I went longer? Are you excited for what you're hearing? Are, are you glad you came to church today? It's not so hard to figure out which group you're in. We who were enemies, Gentiles, aliens, outcasts, dirt poor, underprivileged, cast out, were loved in this state, in that state, by God Almighty through Jesus Christ, and a plan of salvation was made before the foundation of the world that we through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone could be saved and brought into the ranks of the privileged. If you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ and birth of the Holy Spirit today, you are part of the privileged, brother. If the love of God was so awesomely demonstrated by his giving of Jesus for us while we were in total ignorance and sin, and the Bible says, why were yet sinners Christ died for us? How much more shall our lives be full and filled with Jesus' life? If while I was a sinner, Christ loved me and gave himself for me, how much more now that I'm in belief, now that I'm in faith, now that I believe and follow and want to do his will, how much more, how much more is God all over that? You say, God's not with me. Are you kidding me? It's you're not with him. The fault will never be able to be pointed at God and say, he failed me. The fault will be you failed him. How many times the sickest of people spiritually will not take the medicine that God has for them? Doc knows that. The sickest of the people. The answers are in this book. Oh, I get tired when I read. Well, so do I, but I stake out. I slap myself, walk around the room, drink four or five cups of espresso, have a couple of AFib palpitations, take the medicine, and read some more. I'd rather die trying than not try, man. I remember going to college. Man, I stayed up. I worked till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I'd come home and study till 2 in the morning. 
I'd get up at 5 in the morning and begin to study because I had tests the next day. You're not going to receive anything from God if you're lazy. I wanted it. My heart burnt within me. I was willing to suffer. Oh, I get a little sleepy. Slap yourself. Or slap somebody beside you. The ensuing struggle will wake you up. Because don't think they're going to take it. (laughs) Brother, shake yourself. You're privileged. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, For it is written, I have not seen or ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that what? Casually seek him? That love him. That love him. And love is manifest. If it's not manifest in anything, it's manifest in enthusiasm. We got some marriages coming up. I love to be around the young couples because I sense the spirit of enthusiasm. You remember? You remember when you got married, brother? Remember that? You remember when you got married? Remember you folks got married? Remember the enthusiasm? I tell my wife sometimes, I used to come up to your door, and you wouldn't even hit the ground from the door to my car. You were, you, there, there was a special look she would give me of the, this is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me by, by me coming to her house. It wore off. But I was glad for when it was there. It's hard to maintain that. I don't think it's natural to maintain that level. What it settles down to is more of a quality and more of a depth to it, okay? But I sure am glad I had that part. Luke chapter 8, verse 39 says, Return into thine own house and show how great things God has done under thee. That was a, a gathering maniac after he got healed. He says, he says, I want to go with you, Jesus. He said, no, you can't go with me. You go back home. Tell them the great things God's done for you. And they are great things. God will not forsake you in the dark, narrow path of this life as a child of God. It will squeeze you to walk with God. It will sometimes cause pain for you to walk with God. It will inconvenience you to walk with God. You will sacrifice to walk with God. That's what the narrow path tells you. You're going to have to give up all kinds of things. In fact, often I'll say, you need to give up your dreams. The world's out there saying, Follow your dream. Follow your dream. I want to puke. Your dream will lead you on the broad way. And what's the end of the broad way? I want God's dream. I drop all my dreams because they, that narrow way squeezes your dreams off. 
You can't get through the narrow way with your dreams. They, they just won't go through. You got to go your dreams. No, your dreams aren't going to go God's dreams. Squeeze through that narrow way by the grace of God. But boy, once you get through the narrow way, it opens up into the kingdom of God. Someday, by the grace of God, you'll stand in front of him and he'll say, well done, in front of the whole of heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It would be exciting and a high compliment if the President of the United States would know your name. How much more will it be a compliment when the creator of all that is in front of his entourage, which are all the angels and every creature, will know your name? Oh, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth going through that narrow way. And what a horror it is to think of going the broad way. Oh, maybe this, by the way, broad is, 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 is easy, right? It's easy, no resistance. There's very little resistance on going to hell. There's very little resistance on the path to destruction. There's very little resistance on the way where someday you'll stand before the creator of the universe. Revelation chapter 20, read it. You'll stand before the creator of the universe, have gone the broad way. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. A couple big old angels are going to grab you. The Bible says it will not be without emotion. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around anybody that's actually wept. You've been around people who cried. I don't know if you've been around anybody who's been in such pain where they've gnashed their teeth. The only place I've ever actually personally seen that is when a man was in all accident and had broken his back, broken his back. And he was taking the dirt and grabbing it and putting it in his mouth as he was screaming as loud as he could scream. And he just gnashed, he eventually got a stick or something and just put it in his mouth and started biting it. That's what gnashing teeth is. It's a pain beyond your control. Now, you, you say, I believe Jesus when he says that he's the Savior, but I don't believe him when he says that that's the punishment of going the Broadway. I think you're a fool. I think if he's right about all this stuff, he's also right about this. I think if he's not right about this, he's probably not right about that. But I happen to believe he's right about it. And though I'd like to tell you it didn't exist, and though I'd like to get up here and tell you there is no hell, it's not real, I, I can't. Because honestly, when I read his words, and when I read them, it's got to be. But the Bible says there'll be weeping. and actually, which, which end do you want? The weeping and the gnashing of teeth end? Or the spell of hearing him say your name? Welcome into my kingdom. The choice this morning has been made by many of these people. But maybe you haven't made that choice yet. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, 
and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Remember, God puts the plan together. I didn't. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works. But say, man, you're both. You're saved by grace through faith. I hope you trust him today. Father, help us. I hope that this message goes out and some people are saved and enter heaven in that narrow way. But going through that narrow way is painful. God's way has all kinds of resistances. Help him to squeeze through it by the grace of God. Leaving every remnant of themselves, their pride, their self-life, the world behind. And trust in Christ. Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239-947-1285. Thank you. God bless.